Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six in this series about Mystery Babylon. Now, I hope you're getting some good practical stuff from, from this series. And I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some kind of juicy stuff, some of the stuff that talks about understanding the identity of Mystery Babylon a little bit clearer. But you know, in my last message, I really didn't get to finish that message, just ran out of time. Unfortunately, that happens to me a lot in these uh, video messages. You know, they're, we can only do them a certain length. And so that's why I always make the audio series um, much longer and much more detailed because, because so many times there is much more than we can cover in these audio, I mean, in these video messages. But, you know, if you want to dive in, take a deeper dive, be sure and just click right now, download the audio messages. And, and there are, they are not duplications of the same messages. Uh, I cover things in the video messages that I don't cover in the audio messages and vice versa, because I'm trying to give you everything that I can get out to you that will be a help to you. You know, one of the most interesting things that uh, I've seen in working with people is many times people do not understand why they're changing and they don't understand who they're becoming. And that's why the, this message is entitled, Who Am I Becoming? And you know, uh, when Brenda and I first got married, we lived in some apartments and uh, uh, my desk was in our bedroom window was in the front of the apartments and it had a big kind of bay window in our bedroom. And so my desk that I worked at every day was right there at those windows. So I could see everything that was going on. There was a, a little playground park area out in front. I could watch the kids play while I was up there working. It, it was really just an ideal situation. And so I'd met a young man, didn't know him. I just met him, spoke to him a few times and he was a few apartments down. And so one morning I was up there just reading, studying, writing, preparing messages, whatever it was I was doing. And I saw this young man carrying the garbage out uh, of his parents' apartment out to the dumpster. And then instantly in my heart, I got what the Bible calls a word of knowledge. In other words, uh, God gave me a message for him. And uh, if I don't know that this is the exact definition of a word of knowledge, but a word of knowledge in my understanding at that time was that it was where the Holy Spirit gave you knowledge or information uh, about a person or a situation that you had no natural way of knowing. And so, uh, man, I jumped up and I ran downstairs and, and headed out toward the dumpster. And I met this young man, really nice young man. And I met him just after he had emptied his garbage and was getting ready to go back inside. I said, listen, uh, you know, I saw you when you came out here. And I said, uh, the Lord spoke to my heart something about you. And if, you, if you're all right with it, I'd like to share it with you. And he said, okay. And uh, I shared something along these lines. I said, uh, I said, you know, your life is in the process of changing and it's not changing for the better. And I said, recently something happened, some changes have come into your life and you're, you're around other people. You're being influenced by different people. And I can't remember, you know, what all I said, but basically I gave him a warning. I said, you don't want to go down this path. You do not want to become where, you know, where this is going to take you. 
And man, he had a, a dumbfounded look on his face. And he said, he said, this is so amazing. He said, you know, uh, I changed jobs. I've been, you know, got to be friends with a, with a totally different group of people. And he said, last night was the first time I ever went out with these people. And he said, honestly, he said, I did some stuff that really just wasn't proud of. It's not the kind of stuff I want to do. And this is not who I want to become. He said, you know, just thank you so much. But, you know, one of the things that I've always understood, there are places where the secular world will actually get some information right. Uh, secular world is really pretty good about diagnosing certain situations but they never have biblical solutions, so they, they can't really provide uh, solutions that, that really lead to life. But, you know, one of the things in, in the, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a certified substance abuse counselor for years, had my own clinic uh, here in Huntsville. And so I was always doing family counseling, always counseling substance abuse. And one of the things that you learn from, from secular psychology, but it's also in the Bible, and that is environment has everything to do with the changes that are going to come about in your life. It's really interesting. There's a scripture in the book of Exodus that everybody misunderstands. It's a scripture where they think God is saying that, uh, uh, that there's generational curses and that he'll punish, you know, he'll punish you for what your ancestors did. Well, that, that is not true. There's no place in the Bible that says that. The Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says, says you can't be punished for something your ancestors did. And there are no curses that just go down, down, down. But what there is a thing that happens where, where customs and traditions, ways of dealing with things go from father to son to grandson to great-grandson or, or mother to daughter. And so we do understand the Bible presents this concept that environment influences everything uh, really about, about who, who we're going to become. And, uh, and in that passage of Scripture, you know, God talks about the fact that he's merciful, he's kind, he's compassionate, he forgives sins, forgives iniquity, da 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 And then he says, but, but I, I, won't clear, I just can't clear your sins. Or I, I just can't pretend like they don't exist. But then he says something, and the King James does a real bad job of, of actually uh, translating this. But he says, you know, the iniquity of the fathers is visited from the fathers to the sons to the third and the fourth generation. Now, God is not saying he visits that, and he is not saying that he causes that, but what he's pointing out here is because God himself understands the dynamic that environment or friendships and you know, relationships have on shaping our beliefs. That's one of the reasons he can understand us. He can be compassionate, and even though that even though he can't just, just wipe out everything, he can't just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to clear everything. No, he has a way to make it where we can free ourselves from our sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the point is, is God, even God himself says, I, I'm going to be compassionate to you because I'm going to understand that you didn't just wake up today and decide you were going to lose your mind, destroy your life, destroy your marriage. All of that stuff happens over periods of times, but it very specifically happens because of beliefs that we get from our family, from our friends, from the people that, that we hang out with. As a matter of fact, uh, in the New International Version of uh, Scripture, that 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And so even the Word of God 
teaches us that our our environmental influences can can corrupt us. They can they can make us better people. They can make us worse people. You know, uh, most of you know when I was a kid, or some of you have heard me talk about this. When I was a kid, you know, our father abandoned us, and of course, that was the happiest day of my young life. Was when my father disappeared and quit coming around because all he all he ever did was come around, beat my mother, steal all of our food, and leave us destitute. And so, not, let me let me just say this by the way to my father's. Uh, defense. He grew up in a mean religious family, and everything he knew about God was bad. It was not biblical, and uh, uh, and honestly, and toward the end of his life, I had the opportunity to lead him to Jesus, and uh, we became very close. We became great friends, and so, and I'm thankful for that. So I'm not just trying to beat up on my father when I make some of these kind of references. I'm just telling you kind of a historical fact. I was so glad. And my father disappeared. But this meant that my mother, of course, had to take the total burden for supporting this young family. And so when my brother and sister was in school, I, I had to go to my uh, grandmother's and stay with her. Well, my uncle came home from the military. My uncle and I got so connected. I mean, I loved that man more than anybody I had ever loved, I think, up until that point. And so later on, when I was 14 years old, I ran away from home. Now, you got to understand, man, I was a, a lying, thieving, cussing, uh, nasty, horrible kid. but steal anything that wasn't nailed down. And so I, I run away from home, and I go to my, I hitchhike to my uncle's house and uh, talk him into letting me live with him for a while. Well, the interesting thing was, once I got out of my home environment, and got into another environment, I didn't cuss anymore. I didn't lie, I didn't cheat, I didn't get in trouble. I mean, I still had problems, don't get me wrong. But it was it was amazing. You know, I went from failing in school to you know to being making A's and B's and all that kind of stuff. Environment is so incredibly crucial, and we we need to understand that. Now, last week we talked about uh, about you know uh being unequally yoked and, and unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's not even about whether or not one person's a Christian and one person's not a Christian. It's about whether or not you are in harmony with your beliefs. You know, many Christians should not marry another Christian because they have deeply different beliefs. And those beliefs usually become the basis for conflict and strife and discord. And people are like, well, we're both Christians. This should have worked. No. Uh were you Christians that were in harmony? Were you yoked up with somebody that shared your beliefs so that you could walk your, your journey together? But as the world grows darker, and this is really the strategy of Mystery Babylon, uh, as the world grows darker and this subtle, deceitful force reshapes the culture, reshapes the traditions, reshapes the morals, the values, and the ethics of society, then over time, uh, even, even the believers uh, start changing to become more like the world. You know, there is, there is a movement, a strong, powerful movement that is sweeping around the world, and very specifically across America, that basically would, you know, uh, uh, kind of gives a stamp of approval for certain lifestyles and certain types of sins and acts as if it's not a big deal. We should be accepting this. Well, I think we always should accept people. 
you know, I, I've, I have never, ever, ever rejected anybody because of, of their morals and values and this sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that I make anybody somebody that I want to hang with, that I want to, to share my life with, and that I want them to have in, input in my life. But, uh, you know, my father was a bootlegger. And uh, so, you know, bootleggers did not have racial boundaries. They didn't have moral and ethical boundaries. Everybody was welcome, sit around a campfire, drink whiskey together. And so that's kind of the, the world that I, that I grew up in. So I didn't have a lot of prejudices against uh, against different races against different by the way let me correct that there is, there is only one race there's no such thing there is no such thing as different races and in fact we we are actually all the same color we're just different shades of the same color and uh so anyhow i don't want to go too far in that but that was kind of the mentality i grew up in you know everybody's a human being and uh I didn't have any spiritual values about it because I didn't grow up in church. But anyhow, the long and short of it is, um, you know, I, I understood very young that that uh, you could have you could have friendship with anybody, even though that might not be somebody you really want to run with or somebody that you really want to hang out with. You know, I can remember again. You got to remember, you know, I was a I was a musician. That was my that was my primary source of income. That's where I put most of my effort, most of my time played in bars and clubs, did concerts and all that kind of stuff. And that's really what I wanted to spend my life doing. And so, you know, I, I, I dealt drugs a little bit on the side just to, just to be able to afford to buy my drugs and be able to, to make, a, make a little money in between gigs that I, that I played. And so at, at one point in time, I remember I needed a vehicle and I got a chance to buy a motorcycle uh, real cheap. And I really honestly believe this is one of those times when God spoke to me and protected me even when I was lost. Let me tell you, I can identify very specific times when I would have died, except for I just had a sense inside of me not to do something or to do something different. I, I, listen, I'm convinced that lost or saved or whatever, God's still always trying to protect you. He's still always trying to lead you. And we, we have to we have to shut God out even when we're lost. Uh, but anyhow, so I was looking at a motorcycle. Man, I, me and my buddies were all thinking about how cool it was. We'd all get motorcycles. I will never forget uh, one night just coming to this realization. It's like, you know, I'm in trouble all the time now as it is. You know, the police are always after me. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got narcs trying to buy drugs from me to put me in jail and all that kind of stuff. Because you know, I was a high profile person because I was a musician. I played in played in the most popular uh, club here in town. And uh, and so I was somebody that the, that the drug people wanted. Not that I was a big time dealer because I wasn't, but I was just I was just somebody who had notoriety. But I remember just thinking, you know what? I'm always in trouble. I'm always on the edge of, of the verge of going to jail for something. And I thought, if I buy a motorcycle, I'm going to start running with a totally different group of people. I'm going to become somebody that probably will end up in bad, bad, bad trouble. I'll probably end up being more of a gangster uh, like some of my other family members were. So I've recognized this thing about the power and the influence of our, of our environment. Now here's something really interesting. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 15, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Now remember, 
we're talking about the we're talking about the great harlot. Now I know that in this passage of scripture, this is not talking about mystery Babylon, but the principle applies because mystery Babylon seduces uh, the leaders of the world and the population of the world into a form of spiritual fornication. Now fornication is where you stir up desires that you have no biblical right to fulfill. And it doesn't matter if they're sexual desires when it comes to, to immorality or in spiritual more, uh, fornication, if it's other kinds of desires. And we'll talk about that hopefully next week. So, so this principle applies here. So shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Verse 16 says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? And in the Greek, that actually says one slave with her. It says, for they too shall become one flesh. Now, we learned, I think it was last week, where we talked about taking communion. You know, this harlot has a communion cup. And, and just like we take communion, and, and in our communion cup, we have the wine or the juice. And, and in our hearts, we relate to it as if it's blood. Well, when you get on the dark side, the evil side, when you get into darkness, there's always a substitute for everything that God has done for us, everything that God offers us. And so there is a substitute communion. And in fact, in Satanism, they do take communion and they do use blood from, from uh, human blood. But uh, uh, with the harlot, this is more of a spiritual thing. And the harlot has a golden cup filled with the blood of the martyrs uh, of the Jews who believe on God and of the belief, uh, Christians who are martyred. And there's something about the harlot where if we succumb to her seduction, there's something about where we become complicit in destroying other people. We become complicit very specifically in persecuting and rejecting God's people or any people who actually uh, stand with God. So, so really, if we are participating in what Mystery Babylon is bringing about here on planet Earth, then in a certain sense, we are taking communion, communion with her. And so on two levels, we are becoming one with Mystery Babylon. Now, that's not to say that you've lost your salvation. It's not, you know, that's not the same as receiving the mark of the beast. And like I've said from the very beginning of this series, when it comes to the mark of the beast, that, that will have to be a deliberate decision. You may, you may have your life threatened and you may have force put upon you, but you still, you make a deliberate decision to receive the mark of the beast because this is about get, turning your loyalty away from God and turning your loyalty and your trust for everything that you're supposed to be getting from God, you, you're turning that to uh, to the Antichrist and to that whole world system uh, that that He will be creating. But with the harlot, see the harlot creates uh, really a world system that is that slowly and incrementally seduces us into what I what. I and many people call it the the secular sacred dichotomy. Now, I can remember as a, as a new believer hearing pastors talk about 
the difference between the secular and the sacred. Well, you know what? There is no such thing as secular because there is nothing in life that is free from the wisdom, uh, the input, the character, the life of God. God can bring life to us in any kind of a situation, but it requires us trusting him and us trusting his word and, uh, and applying his word and his wisdom to these situations. So the secular sacred dichotomy says, well, you know, when I'm at church, then this is, then, you know, this is sacred. When I'm praying, this is sacred. Or there's certain parts of my life that's sacred. But now when I go out here to make a living, that, that's secular. That, that has nothing to do with God. The way I treat people at work, the way I manage my business, all this kind of stuff, that is secular. It has nothing to do with God. Well, once you open yourself up to a secular, sacred dichotomy, then, then you start defining areas of your life where you can make incredibly ungodly, immoral compromises, but you can actually justify those compromises because, hey, that has nothing to do with my walk with God. This has, but yes, everything has to do with your walk with God, and everything and every decision is a reflection uh, of your walk with God. So number one, we are becoming one with her in that we are involved in a fornication with a harlot. And you will understand this much more in detail next week. Now, this is, a, I'm not trying to put fear in you. I'm trying to help you understand how to avoid falling into this, uh, uh, you know, this deception. So, uh, but we do have to realize that, that number one, am I, am I, am I slipping into the world system? Do I, am I accepting, am I, am I adopting the values that the world has. I think I shared this with you in, in one of the messages in this series already, where I, I heard the uh, the president of a particular college uh, that uh, their main focus was on teaching people economics and and that sort of thing. And he said that he said the hardest or the most difficult thing that they face today in teaching people how to you know you know how to deal with the economy, economics, and you know, even bookkeeping and, and all this kind of stuff. It, uh, he said the worst thing is there are no moral values. So morals and values don't even fit into how you do advertising. They don't even fit into the way that you that you make money. It doesn't even fit into, a uh, matter of fact, most of this stuff, marketing and, and uh, uh, all of that really just gets into ways that you can cheat people out of money. And and get by with it, but you don't. You're not lying. You're just you're just being deceitful. You're just tricking people. You're you know you're you're putting a lot of fine print in it. You know you know there's a guy here in town that I've done a lot of business with over the years and has become a great friend of the ministry. And he's never tried to exercise any control over the ministry. He just liked the fact that we help people. When I first started doing business with him, uh, you know people were saying, "Man, this guy's part of the mob. You don't want to, you got to stay away from this guy." But I knew in my heart God was speaking to me to go to go meet him and to do business with him. And so the first business deal. Now this was back uh, in the in the '80s when uh, man interest was sky high because we'd we'd, al we'd, ha we'd already had the collapse of the savings and loans and pretty much saw a lot of the same things happen back then that we have seen happen recently uh, in the economy. And so the interest, and I had to borrow a few hundred thousand dollars, the interest was 
about 18%. Well, the difference was if I went and borrowed it from a bank, the bank would be 15%. And But with the bank, there were all kinds of hidden upfront fees. There were all kinds of little traps that they would get you in. And even though the contract would say 15%, by the time you paid all the fees and everything, you, you, would, you would pay a lot more than 15%. And I'll never forget the first deal me and him put together. He put a, it, it, the contract was one sheet of paper. It wasn't pages and pages and pages of of fine print and, and, and legalese that made you incapable of understanding the deal you were signing. But I'll never forget, uh, he just he just took a piece of paper and kind of pitched it across his desk, he, and he just laughed out loud. And he said, look, I charge 18% interest. He said, I want you to know up front. He said, I don't have any weasel clauses in, in my contracts. He said, you'll always know what I'm charging, and you'll always know up front. I'm not like the banks. And you know what? This guy was the most honest businessman I have, I've ever dealt with. And my 60 years of, of having my own businesses and, you know, and buying houses, selling houses, flipping houses and all, and all that kind of stuff, because, because uh, he, didn't, he didn't hide anything. There was no deceit in it. But everything we're learning out there in the secular system about how to do business, about how to treat people, there's all kinds of room for dishonesty. There's all kinds of room for hurting people. And, and all this kind of stuff. But anyhow, in, 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 this, in this whole mystery Babylon thing, we are surrendering our morals and our values and our ethics. And actually what we're surrendering to, and we don't realize it, we're surrendering to the, uh, the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, the spirit of the Antichrist, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed, but, uh, you know, the, the Apostle Paul spoke about the spirit of the Antichrist, how it had had been in the world for the longest time and was present in the world back in the early church. The Apostle John talked about the spirit of the Antichrist. And remember, the word anti doesn't mean openly against or openly attacking Christ as much as it means substitute. And so Mystery Babylon, this is a world philosophy that is constantly offering you substitutes. Well, you say substitutes for what? Well, substitutes for honesty. Here, let me, let's redefine honesty. Oh, substitutes for morality. Oh, let's redefine morality. Substitutes for spirituality. Oh, let's redefine spirituality. Substitutes for love. In other words, all of these things that we have clearly known for centuries and centuries and centuries about morality, ethics, and values, now we have been seduced uh, by this world system, and I believe this is, this is the power of Mystery Babylon, to where we convince ourselves that we can mistreat people, we can lie to people, we can cheat people, we can be immoral, we can whatever, and there is a way to justify it because we have created substitute definitions for the Word of God, substitute uh, uh, definitions for, uh, you know, what's true and what's not true. So daily, we're like the frog in the pot where you start turning the heat up slowly and the frog will just sit there until you cook him alive. And that's what's happening to us here in the world. And by participating in this uh, substitutionary belief, substitutionary morals, this sort of thing, we are becoming one with the heartlet. And we who make these compromises, we are the ones that are preparing the world for the Antichrist, because when the Antichrist 
comes to power, when he forcibly takes power, he will stand up and oppose all this God. But by that time, the world will have compromised so much, they won't even know that that makes any difference. Listen, got a great message for you next week. Be sure and tune in here. Send this to people that you think will help them. Don't get afraid. I'm telling you these truths so you won't be deceived. You can decide who you want to be. And uh, you can decide how you're gonna how you're gonna keep yourself stable. Be sure and check out my website, impactministries.com, and got all kinds of free resources there that'll help you. All right, I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.